Hey, welcome into another installment, uh, a preview episode this week, looking ahead to, what is this, week seven? Or is this week eight? seven. Yeah, and we have our first guest on the podcast, Justin, tell us who's on. Uh, look, this took a lot of work to make this happen, uh, so we hope you appreciate... Our people contacting their yeah, people. Yeah, 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 I hope you appreciate the input this guest will bring. Um, we are sitting here with the three-and-a-half-ish-month-old uh, Jacob Shea Dutton, uh, making his first appearance on the podcast. Yeah, dad duty. Yeah, but, yeah, but but dad duty does not. Nothing can stop us from talking about college football. Not even dad duty. That's right. To, to be fair, this little guy was supposed to be taking a nap right now, wow. and he just decided no, he wants a bottle instead. So you might hear him make some noise. You might hear him sucking at a bottle. It's it's not us being weird. Kids taking a bottle. That's all we got going on here. There's got to be some. Let's go. There's got to be a joke here that I could make about. Something to do with South Carolina not doing what they're supposed to, Jacob Shea not doing what he's supposed to. But you know, sure, I haven't yeah. thought about it well enough. So, but just imagine the funniest joke you've ever heard now <laughs> and your reaction to it. Very good, Justin. Clemson and South Carolina. Well, Clemson does not have a game this week. South Carolina does. Speaking of which, from the Palmetto State here, our boys down in Conway, the Mullets, as they like to refer to them. Coastal Carolina got a big win the other night, Justin. Tuesday night, college football. There's football on every day of the week for the next what? It was a couple of days ago. It was 49 yeah, days till so mid November. There was college football every single day. So Tuesday night we had a number of matchups. One of which was Coastal Carolina playing App State, and they got their first win, first uh, first win over App State in program history. Yeah, they had they, never won there. That's crazy. They've played seven tries uh, at App State. That is, they've played there seven times, and they got their first big win. So the boys down in Conway getting a notable win over a over a pretty similar school in you know Western North Carolina. Two sure. programs that are similar, you know, had similar kind of patterns of success over the last few years. Yeah. Both have made the step that. from lower level competition to uh, upper level Division One football, the yeah, FBS. Man. Now Clemson does not have a game this week, Justin. I think this. I think the bye week is very important. I think Clemson. Obviously, was very motivated after losing. Well, they were motivated to beat Florida State, and that didn't happen. Then they were very motivated after the Florida State game to go and make a statement and prove they weren't going to get beat by a team like Syracuse, who's not terrible. But they weren't going to go get beat by a team like Syracuse. They were going to. They were out to prove something. Then they came out a little sleepy against Wake Forest. We've talked. We talked about that game. So I think this bye week comes at a very important time to kind of reset, get healthy, because Antonio Williams has been out since. Uh, the Florida Atlantic game. He did not play against Florida State. He did not play against Syracuse. Nate Wiggins got hurt right before overtime in that Florida State game. You know, all game long he had been shutting down those wide receivers. He got hurt on the last play of, you know, the game essentially. Doesn't go to overtime. You got a couple of players for Clemson been out for the last two weeks. They're going to be back apparently after the bye week. So a good bye week to reset, recalibrate, maybe get into an offensive rhythm, get some confidence going as they head next Saturday to Miami, which will be a big game. You you texted me after the game last week against Wake Forest and mm-hmm. said that you've never seen a team that was so in need of a bye yeah. or something along those lines. And that might have been hyperbole, but for sure, obviously a little sleepy, a little lackadaisical against Wake Forest on offense at least. The defense still clicking and playing really well. Uh, in fact, Kurt Herbstreit called Wes Goodwin one of the uh, – one of the best performing coaches from last week. The defense was very good, very exceptional. So, offense sleepy. Offense needs a week to kind of get in reset and in rhythm as they head down to Coral Gables. Well, well, you know, you're you're in year one of an offensive coordinator. Um, how much of a new system is still up for debate? A little bit, maybe. Uh, you you think it is his, his system? I think. Um, 
But, you know, having that that time to say, okay, we're several games into the year. Now it's time to just right. hit pause for a second, assess where we are. And that is the situation South Carolina find themselves found themselves in last right. week. And I'm really curious to see what they look like coming off of the bye week. Did you week. see uh, Dowell Loggins said something about this was the worst bye week ever? I did not see <laughs> that. I think it was a, kind of a tongue-in-cheek comment, but uh, it, is, it is interesting to think about. But, yeah, South Carolina coming off a of bye week. Needed a needed a bye week considering the fact that had lost to Tennessee. Yeah. But get that loss, you get to come home, you get to rest for a while, don't have to travel, you're playing host to Florida. South Carolina's got a big one here. Yeah. South Carolina hosting Florida. South Carolina's a two point favorite. This game was a bloodbath last year. That was that was a surprise that South Carolina was favored. Well, Florida's coming off a tough loss to Kentucky. True. They did beat Vanderbilt. On right, Saturday, right. but it seems most people beat Vanderbilt. Yeah, you're but having a really bad year when you don't beat this Vanderbilt. game, Justin. Take us through what take us through the mindset of a South Carolina fan last year when they when last play, year uh, when you went down to Gainesville and you had to play against Florida. Uh, were there are no words. It was just it was, you know, we we had we had seen the offensive struggles. We knew they were there. We didn't know it was going to be like that. Um, that was the game. That that South Carolina fans point to and say, "All right, Shane Shane Beamer finally learned whether that's the case or not." But Shane Beamer finally finally learned that he needed to move on from Marcus Satterfield. Um, that game last year, I honestly I don't know what I was doing. I think I've blocked it out of my memory. <laughs> I cannot remember that game. Not an offensive touchdown scored. Yeah. It was thirty eight to six. I believe you scored on a fake punt and then went yep. for two and didn't get it. Yeah, so that sounds about right. Thirty-eight to six was the final score. Uh, not an offensive point scored. Just crazy game, especially when you consider the next week you came out and scored sixty-three <laughs> points against yeah. Tennessee. Yeah. Well, and that's the reason that people say that sure. that's that's when Shane learned the lesson. I think he already knew, but just didn't sure. want to make a change. But I think a change was made in some kind of coaching. Had to make a change. You know, capacity that that week. Justin, I like South Carolina's odds this year. Do you? Obviously, big loss. You know, you, if you just looked at this on paper and you went, South Carolina cha- hasn't changed anything since last year. In fact, maybe the offense has actually taken a step back from where they finished the year. Uh, but Rattler's playing very well. He's pick, he's picked up where he's gone off. The whole offense has maybe taken a step back, but still having their moments. The, but so let, let me. I'll say this real quick, just so we don't have to come back to it. I think the offense is much more consistent. Sure. This year, like. The the lows last year were very low. They well, haven't I mean, been just that from low. The, I just mean yeah. from the last two games. Sure, sure. Where the season ended, That's even right. the game against Notre Dame, the offense has maybe taken a step back. But certainly that wasn't the offense that played against Florida. So right. you go, wow, they're going to have a lot different offense. Then you look at Florida and you go, I mean, Florida's almost a totally different team. New quarterback, Graham Mertz, he's more consistent than Anthony Richardson. New, uh, you know, Tra- Trevor Etienne's running all over the place. They've got some things. They've gotten some players. You know, they've had some good wins, but they've also had some really embarrassing losses. Not so much by the score total embarrassing, although they got waxed by Kentucky. Yeah. But also just by the way it's happening. It's like, up, get, like they didn't show up. Go up to Utah and have, you know, 11, you know, 12 men on the field for a fourth and three punt, so you give them a first down. All these kind of things. 13 players on the field against Kentucky. Just procedural errors. Errors. So you look at these teams and you both see – you know, okay, Florida's offense maybe even a little better than last year. They scored all these points against South Carolina. South Carolina's offense way better than last year. South Carolina's defense probably about the same as it was last year. Maybe market maybe slightly improved, but their weakness compared to their offense. Maybe South Carolina's offensive line a little down from last year because the young guys. You look at this game and I think you see two pretty evenly matched teams. 
teams, I think, that could take advantage of each other's weaknesses. Yeah. Florida's physicality could take advantage of South Carolina's offensive line. And obviously this year that's been the way to beat South Carolina is get to get to Spencer Rattler five-plus times. Sure, yeah. You know, maybe not allow South Carolina to establish any kind of run game, make it be a Rattler in the pocket show, you know, yeah. have to drop back and pass and eventually get sacked several times. But then you think about Florida. Florida's defense, yeah, they have a decent defensive line front seven. Their secondary's got lots of holes, man. Swiss cheese action. Vanderbilt threw an 85-yard touchdown pass all over them. You know what I mean? So then you go, okay, Spencer Rattler could take advantage of this. So I think you see teams that are pretty evenly matched, their weaknesses and their strengths. If, if you see if, – uh, I don't mean to, to jump ahead to the, the spoiler alert here for what my prediction will be, but if, if, you, uh, if you see a South Carolina team that can come out and choose what they want to do, they can run or sure. pass, Florida's in trouble. Sure. But if Florida can take away one of the options and make us one-dimensional to where they know what we're going to do, we're in trouble because we're not good enough to just go out and, and dominate somebody that, that knows what we're trying to do. I think the big difference in this game, I, I really think the biggest difference in this game is home field. You the, think so? Billy Napier is 1-7 on the road in SEC play yeah. throughout and, his first two years. And I think I saw that they're 1-9 in their last away game, in their last or 1-8 in their last nine away games. Right, in just general. in general, non-out-of-conference yeah. included. That includes that includes a loss at Vanderbilt last yeah. year, which we kind of talked about. That's true. Um but it included like the, the one win was against Texas A and M. Oh wow! Which yeah. is again, of course, I talked about that too. Home field advantage for Texas A and M just looks different for other places. Sure. They're not a rabid fan base. They're a very calm, cool, and collected kind of fan base where they just want to like they, they're loud. But they want to do their yeah, cheers it's, it's just, and stuff. Yeah, it, it's weird. Anyway, I think Florida goes into South Carolina. I know they're supposed to be getting to town like today. They're going to try and get to town earlier and change their schedule and everything. I think that they're going to get to South Carolina. I think that the stadium's going to be rocking. It's uh, it's parents' weekend for a lot of the fraternities yeah. and sororities. I don't know if that correlates with homecoming. It is, yeah. It's okay, so it's homecoming. So I think yeah. you're going to have a full stadium with some loud people, big revenge games. You know, similar but not entirely similar to the what Tennessee, the spot Tennessee found themselves in against South Carolina Last a couple weeks year, ago. Yeah. Or last week. Sorry. Yeah, so now you have that with South Carolina. I think this is a revenge game. This is an out-of-the-bye week. We've got to make a statement type game. Justin, I think South Carolina wins, and I think South Carolina wins big. Define big. I think South Carolina might win by 40. 40? Like, probably Come not. On. That's a lot. But I really think South Carolina might win by 25 or 30 points. Dude, that that would that would blow me away. Yeah. Um, I, I, think, I think that some of what we've seen from South Carolina this year would tell me that they're capable of that. Sure. Um, I think some more of what we've seen from South Carolina would tell me that's that's questionable. Sure. Um, I think that this game is going to go one of two ways. I think it's either going to be a, uh, um, a pretty low-scoring, gritty, tight game that Florida wins because I think if it's low-scoring and gritty and tight, that means they're sacking Spencer Rattler sure. a lot in the second half yep. and they are able to just make one or two extra plays. And that's kind of how Florida wants to win. Florida yeah. wants to win by uh, kind of getting a lead or, or getting ahead and holding on to it, like they did against yeah. Tennessee. Yeah. They didn't score any points in the second half, right. but they won. So right. I don't think that's how this will go. But I think this might go something like 24-21 Florida if it's that kind of game because Florida just makes that one extra play in the second half and then South Carolina just can't sustain a drive because Spencer Rattler gets hit and sacked. Or yeah. – Spencer Rattler's throwing the ball over the yard. Mario Anderson has 120 yards rushing. 
and they're just blowing them out of the water. Yeah. Win by 32. Yeah. So my, my great hope for this South Carolina team, uh, not just for this week in general, but for the team as a whole going forward, is you get to the bye week, similar situation as Clemson. You know, you have a body of work to look back on now with your new offensive coordinator. You're able to make some adjustments for, for your offensive game plan. Uh, I think you're going to see uh, South Carolina. There was one bright spot last, or two weeks ago against Tennessee. Mario Anderson had a 75-yard touchdown run to show everything he's capable of. He had wiggle, he had vision, he had speed. Um, I think what you're going to see is a renewed emphasis on the the run game. I think the scheme's going to look a little different. Um, kind of, I'm not going to get into it. The scheme's going to look a little different. Um, and I think you're going to see Mario Anderson get 20-plus touches. Um, just, I, I think that's what South Carolina's going to want to do and then use that kind of lull Florida to sleep at times to hit the big play to Xavier Leggett. Uh, hit the big play maybe to Amari and Brown is back. Um, that Tennessee I, game yeah. is looming, though. The, yeah. the Florida-Tennessee game. Because Tennessee's a run team this year. They want to run first. Right. And... They could not establish a run, and then that provoked, and then that provoked Joe Milton to have to throw play, make plays, and make mistakes, throw right. interceptions. Right. That's the only thing that could become that. That's that gritty thing. Right. If South Carolina cannot establish a run game, or cannot keep Spencer Rattler upright long enough yeah. to establish, but, but a you run know, game. Florida's a little bit of an enigma, though. Like, who who are they? They did that against Tennessee, well, yeah. and then Kentucky made them look like Swiss cheese. That's like, why I think, honestly, stop Williams-Brice could be the difference. Yeah. Just the fact that this game is at home for South Carolina could be the difference. Justin, we asked this before, and I just want to ask you again, just because this is a new day, a new episode. Is this the biggest game of Shane Beamer's career? You know, um, I don't – I think that I think that it is in a sense and it's not in a sense. I don't think it's the biggest game he's ever coached when you take the totality and, like, like – Look at looking back. There are big games last year. I think this game might have the most implications. Um, it certainly has the most implications for a season. Right. Um, you know, you lose this game, you're staring at back to back road trips at Missouri and Texas A and M. If you lose this one, you're two and six, or you're staring two and six in the face. Uh, that's and you not, still got to play yeah. Kentucky and Clemson. Yeah. That's not where you want to be. Um, this is, I hate to call something a must win because we've seen radical swings in the sure. Beamer era sure. uh, and, and wins and games that we were not supposed to show up sure. uh, two years in a row. We've seen that. Um, I, it, it is a huge game. And I think if you're just looking at what it means for the rest of this season, I, I don't disagree with calling it the biggest game of his, of his coaching career. Do you feel like if you lose this game and you're, what, two and five? Uh, or two, two and, four. and four, two, two and, four. and four. So if you lose, if you lose on Saturday, Justin, do you does that put bowl eligibility in jeopardy? Do you think? Absolutely, it does. Because you're because you're likely going to lose. You're going to lose to one of Mizzou or Texas A and M. Yeah, most likely. If you lose on sure. Saturday, you're well, definitely going to lose. And, and to because Mizzou the thing is, those games that we've decided to show up. Uh, and, and had the big swings in the Beamer era from week to week. They've been home games. They yeah. haven't been away games. Now we did get that win at Clemson last year. Sure. But you know uh, that was the the Tennessee game that everybody talks about. That was a home game. If that game happens at Tennessee, it doesn't go off the way that it did at, at South Carolina. Sure. Uh, so if you lose this one and you're you're staring two big road games in the face that are long trips, tough trips. Uh, no, I don't think you have any hope of winning one of those games. I feel like you are. If you lose on if you lose on Saturday, well, even if you win on Saturday, 
I feel like you're going to lose to either Mizzou or Texas A&M. Yeah, As it stands right now, I would predict that you lose to Texas A&M because of that defensive line. Yeah. And then, but maybe even Mizzou because Mizzou's offense is crazy. They might just outscore you. On right. the, uh, and then I feel like you're, regardless of win, lose, or draw on Saturday, I feel like you're guaranteed to lose to either Kentucky or Clemson. So you really could be, if you don't win on Saturday, you could be looking at a hard now, chance. Now tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me more about why you think you're guaranteed to lose to either Kentucky or Clemson. Well, because I think they're both hard games. Sure. Uh, Kentucky, are they both at home? Yes. Yeah, so they're both at home, but they're both good teams. Probably teams that right now are better than South Carolina, but that doesn't mean you can't sneak up and get them at the end of the season. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, about I just, which one? I don't, I don't know that Kentucky or Clemson is is based on body of work this year is a better team than South Carolina right now. Woof. I, like, I mean, genuine, like, show your work. What, what makes you say that looking at them right now, other than Ross, like, leave sure. the roster out of it, performance wise. What tells you Clemson's a better team than yeah, South I Carolina? Don't, that's that's hard to do because they haven't played the same schedule. Sure, but even teams that you have, have played to keep them, roster in mind. Like even teams that have played the same schedule, like uh, we, we talk about the transitive property in football sure. all the time, and that like yes, in a sense, it makes sense because of strength of schedule and things like that. But results results don't carry week to week. You um, think you're better than Kentucky right now? I, I think we are. And if we are going to talk about you know similar games, like sheesh, dude, Kentucky got demolished true. At, at Georgia. South Carolina was in it halfway through the fourth quarter. That is true. Um, so I mean, similar t- opponent doesn't yeah, that does matter? Yeah, Tennessee is the one game this year that we've just been out of it, sure. and it has felt like there was no shot from pretty early sure. on in the game. Um, so I, I I wouldn't say that it's like a definite. That you know you lose those this you lose three in a row here and then you're screwed the rest of the year, sure. um, because then you have a couple of get right games against Jacksonville State and Vanderbilt. Yeah. If you um, lose three in a row, you're not getting bowl eligibility, because the players are going to be somewhat checked out. But that's been the story though. Well, that's that's been the story. We yeah. were, uh, uh, gosh, th- four and four and five five and five, I don't remember. We we looked right. like a team that was not going to reach bowl eligibility in year one, and then you beat Auburn, and then beat Auburn in Florida. Yeah, uh, Auburn and Florida though, that year ain't Kentucky and Clemson, though. That's the trouble. Well, if you lose three in a row. I don't think you're going to lose three in a row. I think you're going to win on Saturday. Uh, yeah, true, true, true. If so you, it's, if it's you lose little, three in a row, though, yeah, you're not getting bowl A little, little bit of a moot point, then. But, that you could know, be scary. It, it could be. But I think these are, right now, this stretch of three games, you've got to find a way. Honestly, I think you need to find a way to win two. Oh, yeah. But if if you don't win any of them, it's tough. So That's let, a let, me, let me say this. That's like so, nuclear. Yeah, we've problem. yeah, it would it would be a really big issue going forward and perception and all that kind of stuff. Here's what I think we see: South Carolina comes out. I said it establishes the run. I don't think Florida is the team that can stop the run that they were against Tennessee. I don't think I think Florida away from the swamp is very different. You don't oh, yeah. you don't take Gators out of the swamp. You know what I'm saying? And, <laughs> and like that's what has that's what they've shown over the last couple of years. They're not good away from home. Now look, they could surprise us. I think South Carolina. I'm not going to say as big as you. Uh, I think South Carolina wins, and I don't think as much of a contest. Mm. Um, I think Mario Anderson has a huge game. I think Spencer Rattler has a huge game too. Um, I've tried to keep my emotions out of it and try to be unbiased, but I've told you, I don't think Florida's a good team. I don't think Billy Napier's a good coach. I do think Shane Beaver's a good coach. So everything. Which of the 140 support staff, which one of their jobs is going to be don't let 
Xavier Leggett get up to 23 miles an hour <laughs> at any point on a kickoff return or in the middle of the field after a slant route. That's nothing. A good, that's a good question. Or on an end around wide receiver reverse. If, if, if at any point in this game Xavier Leggett gets to 22 miles an hour, uh, it's over. It's over. Yeah. Hey, you know, I don't think we've ever talked this much about a game that we agreed on. Hey, there you go. There we go. Well, Clemson's on bye. I think this bye is very important. South Carolina's got an actual game, which I think is even more important. Both both teams this weekend can set themselves up for the rest of the season of success with sure. what they do. Sure. South Carolina wins. You're 3-3. Three and three. You just got to win three games to get bowl eligible. You're going to win against Jackson State. And who's the other team, the other gimme? Uh, Vandy. Vandy. You're going to win both those yep. games. So you're talking just one more. Just yep. Mizzou, Texas A&M, Kentucky, Clemson. You could beat all. You could beat any four of those teams. Yep. Maybe not all four. You could beat any four of those teams. If you could beat any, you could beat all. Perhaps, but that's, that's my that's my argument. It's hard to do that week after no, you're, week. You're right. You're you know right. what I mean. It's hard to win. What would that have hey, to be? You're like make, seven you're, straight weeks. You're you're kind of making the argument that you know South Carolina fans have made for a long time that if Clemson played in the SEC, they wouldn't be as good as they've been. Well, I that think, feels like the argument. You're I making. think I'm I'm keeping roster in. Mind. Oh, okay, okay. This is what okay. you don't want to do. Oh, you don't okay, want to okay. consider rosters. I think Clemson's well, no, roster. I mean, he, I mean, to to an extent, like what rosters are for preseason talk. Results are for in season talk. Well, rosters matter because your roster can keep you in a lot of games and can set you right. up to play a lot Be- of other teams. Better roster. Notre Dame or Louisville? Oh, uh, Notre Dame probably Notre has the Dame, better roster. Notre Dame, that's not close. Well, and then that's where you also have to take in situation. This is okay. what I'm trying to argue right now. Okay. okay. If South Carolina loses Saturday, their situation for the rest of the season, or let me just go to the three straight. If South Carolina loses three straight, that's where I go. The situation does not bode well that you become bowl eligible. Because, yes, you have two guaranteed wins, but you have to beat both Kentucky and South and Clemson, which are two hard teams that you have to get up for. Now you have them both at home, which makes it easier to get up, but you have to get up both. Situation matters because Duke had come off of a hard game against Ohio State, hard game against Duke, which they lost one, won the other, and they both had you know come down to the wire. So you thought this – they're not going to just – Okay, that's fair. That's situation fair. and I'm, roster matters. I'm with you. I'm with you. That's why I say South Carolina could get any of these teams that are on their schedule because even despite the fact that they might have the worst roster in every single one of their games outside of Jack State and Vanderbilt. So those big, those big four. Right. They might have the worst schedule of those five games or the worst roster, yeah. but they could get any one of them, especially when you factor in what I've said time and time again this season, exceptional quarterback play on an average team right. will get you to a quarterback – with uh, an exceptional team with average quarterback play. Uh, Alan, you've had some questionable takes <laughs> so, so far in this episode. Oh, yeah, sure. Right. So what what, I, what I've been told, I've been reliably informed that you've got a really, really questionable take yeah, that, questionable, we, that we right. need to get to. Justin, let's, let's talk about it. The world thought they were really something on Tuesday. Uh, James Franklin, head coach at Penn State, probably the best Penn State team he's had since he's been there. They won the Big 12 and the Rose Bowl, or sorry, the Big 10 and the Rose Bowl in, what, 2016? You know, the year Clemson went on to ghost uh, Ohio State in the playoff. Penn State beat that Ohio State team, was a two-loss team in the Big 10 championship, did not make the playoff as a two-loss team, won the Rose Bowl, all that kind of thing. This team's probably better than that team. They may lose to Ohio State and Michigan, you know, lose two games, but this is probably his best team overall. They have, like, the best defense in the country, probably. Top five at least, maybe number one defense in the whole country. They finally have a legit quarterback, Connor uh, Drew Aller, five-star quarterback, right? But despite all that, oh, Nicholas Singletary, still their running back, right? Great running back. Despite all that, the downfield passing game has not been super active this year. 
Drew Aller, for all of his five-star talent, has not been the most prolific passer, but he's been a lot better than what they've had in the past and more able. Sure. So he's so James Franklin's being asked from time to time by media and other things, what can we do to get the downfield passing game going? I'm going to play a clip, and since we're very professional, it's going to be coming through the microphone, so you can skip ahead about a minute and 45 seconds if you want. I will describe on the front end and the back end what you're going to hear. You're going to hear a reporter in the coach's press conference, and it sounds like he's on Zoom or something, the reporter himself, but he's going to ask James Franklin, what can we do to kind of stimulate, get this downfield passing game open? Would you maybe even just call a play that you would just throw the ball downfield for the sole purpose of trying to get your wide receiver and quarterback in rhythm? Let me play this for you. Actually, let me pull it up. There it is. After Good afternoon, James. Hey, Corey. A follow-up to what uh, you were just asked there about Drew. Is there a balance, though, between, hey, we need you to throw the ball deep no matter. Just take a shot. Don't don't overthink it. Take a shot. We need to see it. We're going to call it. And, and we need you to get some confidence in doing this as opposed to even giving – a young quarterback the chance to say, hey, just check it down if, if it's not there. I, I don't really understand what you're saying because we would never. Like, I'm like, my skin is curling when you say just drop back and chuck it deep no matter what. Like, like that is like, I, I don't even know what you're, I don't know what you're saying. It's like you're speaking like from just Mars. Just send a guy on a post pattern, take the shot, throw it. No matter what. Give your receiver a chance to make a play on a ball. Uh, even if he might be covered 30 yards down the field, maybe you think he'll be open 45 yards down the field and, and like Godwin did or with Jahan or KJ. We, you, we've, you, we, like, like, I still don't, like, you're speaking Japanese. Like, like we, we have never done that. Just throw the ball up and maybe he'll be open and maybe he'll catch Like, my skin is, like... Like my, I'm, my I'm, like I, you're making me uncomfortable. Like I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. So, haha, <laughs> hilarious, very funny press conference. The caption on that particular, so I got that from Twitter, right? You just go on Twitter and you Google James Franklin or Twitter search James Frank, James Franklin. That's gonna pop up because that's the video that people are talking about right now this week. And that particular account that posted that video, the caption was, James Franklin takes this reporter to school. What a dumb caption. What a stupid thing to say. And what a gross video. So here's my thoughts. All right, Justin. That's the most hilarious, stupid thing I've ever heard in my whole life. I think it must only one of two things can be true. I think it's the latter. But I'll set forth a, for, a, a, a former, right? Maybe James Franklin just really didn't understand the question. It wasn't asked in the best way. You could have very simply asked... Hey, is there a way in which you call a play to just try and get your wide receiver and quarterback in rhythm where you call sort of a 50-50 ball and try to see if you can't get uh, confidence brewing between your quarterback throwing the ball 20-plus yards downfield and your wide receiver going up to make a play on a 50-50 ball? You could have asked that. And he could have very well said, no, we're not just going to call a play just for the purposes of that. That would have been fine. Because then the reporter went on to say maybe a post pattern. And I immediately thought, that's silly you know, a deep post maybe, but a post pattern is going to be across the middle of the field. You're going to be bringing safeties and linebackers involved in that. That's going to get dangerous. Middle of the field is where tips and interceptions happen. You could have very simply asked something like, is there a way in which you throw a sideline route 25 yards down the field 
where it's just the wide, you know, it's either going to go wider, it's either going to get batted away, out of bounds, or it's going to get caught. You know what I mean? Like your 50-50 wide receiver corner, ISO, on the sideline. Nothing in the middle of the field, no safeties, no linebackers involved, 50-50 ball. All right, it could be the case that James Franklin was just simply kind of confused by the question, and he really thought he was speaking Japanese or speaking from Mars, and he really was making James Franklin uncomfortable with, a, with an odd question. No, I think James Franklin knew exactly what the question was, and I think James Franklin gave a gross and disgusting response that was purely to try and get the clicks and to try and have a playoffs, you're talking about playoffs moment. Because I do think the, at the very end when he says, you're making me uncomfortable with his slight, you know, he's from, Pitt, he's from Philly, or not Philly, he's from Pennsylvania. So he's got a slightly northern accent, right? So you're making me uncomfortable, man. Like that is going to be clipped, I think, for a long time. And you're going you're gonna to see that clip go out there for a long time of this press conference. And not quite, as, not quite as iconic as the Mike Gundy, I'm a man, I'm 40. But you're making me uncomfortable is going to go out there. Maybe even, it's like you're speaking Japanese. So very funny. And I think James Franklin was looking to try and be funny and to go viral. And he was trying to make, he was trying to embarrass this long-term reporter who's been with Penn State forever since James Franklin's been there, since before. He was trying to embarrass him, trying to make a statement. It's one of those things, it's one of those coach speech speak moments where James Franklin's not telling the truth. You absolutely, every single coach and offensive coordinator, if they're trying to establish rhythm and they feel like they have a player that can make a play, will call a play to go up and get the, you know, how many times a game, Justin, do you hear the commentators? And they're commentators, they're not the offensive coordinators, but do you hear the commentators say something like, man, you know, uh, Drew Aller threw that ball great. He threw it just in the position where he could give his wide receiver a chance to go up and make a play. You hear that like five times a game with quarter with teams that throw the ball prolifically, right? You're going to hear that at least once a game in any college football or NFL game that you're watching. You're going to hear you're going to hear the commentator say something to the effect of he wants his guy to go up and make a play. And what James Franklin is saying there is we would never do that. That's all the question was. Was is there ever a chance when you want to get Drew Aller some confidence that you might just throw the ball and try to get your wide receiver a chance to make a play. That's all the question was. And James Franklin, looking for clicks, looking for the Twitter likes, wants to go viral, is going to sit there and go, we would never do that. You're making me uncomfortable. Every coach does it every right, single game. All right, all right. I, see, see, I think you've got a misread on the situation. Yeah, okay. I, I really do. So, um, first of all, I want to say this. I think there's a problem in college football. Um, I listen to, like, I don't really listen to other teams' press conferences, that kind of stuff. I listen to South Carolina's, and every single week, somebody asks a question, and I'm like, why are you even covering football? Because I think that's a stupid question. Sure. And I think the question that was asked was a stupid question. If you listen to the question, he said, no matter what, no matter what, just tell him to chuck it deep. I think that's what James Franklin took issue with. And I think it was because it was such a bad question. No, while, while there might be a, a, a time where you tell your quarterback, we're going to try to take a shot here, how many times, for example, have you seen a quarterback drop back on what was clearly supposed to be a shot play and have to take the sack because the guy's not open? Like, it happens. Yeah. So I think, I think what James Franklin's saying here is you want me to tell him, no matter what, blindly, sling it deep. That's dumb because we make adjustments at the line of scrimmage. We have to go through reads a yeah, little bit. Yeah, but for every one of those, for every one of those, he dropped back to make a pass for the sole purpose of giving a big wide receiver a chance at a 50 50 ball. Uh, there's 10 times in which the pass got off 
and it was either caught or it was just kind of you know tipped out of bounds. I don't know, man. I think this is indicative of this. I don't think James Franklin's looking for Twitter clicks. I don't think he's looking for likes. I think he has taken issue specifically with a reporter asking a bad question. I do think it's a bad question. I think question. that he's trying to defend his quarterback because I sure. think Drew Aller's been good and he's been way better than like Sean Clifford was for the last, you know, twelve years at Penn State, whatever he was playing quarterback forever there. And I think he's been better than Sean Clifford. He gives them a an extra level of quarterback play that they haven't had ever since James Franklin's been there for sure. Yeah. But he's not and it, it doesn't have to be this way. But he's not, you know, uh, Caleb Williams or Shadur Sanders, but they don't run that kind of offense. But still, the downfield passing game has left a lot to be desired at Penn State. Sure. And he's going to get questions about it, and he's just trying to defend his quarterback. But I think his answer is just wrong. I think his answer is bad. I think there are a thousand offensive coordinators, or he goes on at the end of the clip where I cut it off short to be like, I was a wide receivers coach a long time ago. You, I never would have put my wide receivers out there in that position to just go up and make a play regardless of whatever. No, you absolutely would. And every other coach out there and every other offensive coordinator is going to tell you, if we feel like we have a guy, or even if we don't feel like we have a guy, but we feel like we need to establish this rhythm because it's in the cards for us, we're going to call a play or we're going to try and give our, our players a position to make a play. You would do this. And then I, I saw some people, of course. So I want to give Brad Crawford, 24-7 sports in our upstate here in South Carolina, credit. He's the one guy on Twitter in the in the Twitterverse that I saw that called this out for what it was on my, you know, what my opinion would be called this out for what it was. He says, and of course, all the college football coaching sycophants applaud James Franklin for this when all the reporter was trying to do was ask where the big plays downfield in the passing game are. Sorry, the way it was worded wasn't football savvy enough for you all, which I think is kind of right, although I think, Outside of saying a, a, a post pattern, I think the question was worded football savvy enough. Yeah, I think, you I think the give... question was fun. It was worded fun. But here's here's the thing. It feels like the reporter coming in and saying, I know football. Why aren't you doing this? And it feels like it feels judgmental. It feels like some some decisions have been made by the reporter that says, I know why things aren't working. This is why. It feels more like a suggestion than a question. That's where James Franklin took issue. These reporters need to know their place. That's what I would say. And this is where I go like, th- this is where I get upset because I think it's a fine question or suggestion to say, you ever thought about or surely you've thought about it. Why aren't you doing just a little go up and make a play action? And then James Franklin, who... As a call, you know, James Franklin has a reputation of being a big tough guy on the sidelines with his players. He is, by all account, he's a he's a yeller and a screamer, right? He is one of the vocal coaches, right? He's very much a leadership guy, right, in the coaching field. I'd put him in there with a lot of other guys as far as big personality, big leadership. James Franklin, by all accounts, is not like an offense nerd or a defense nerd. Nerd. He is a leadership nerd, maybe sort of like Dabo Sweeney or Nick Saban. Although Nick Saban is a defensive minded guy. Yeah. But these guys, they know who to hire, they know who to promote, they know how to put this, these people into places. That's their job. Their job is not to be the offensive coordinator and head coach. That's who James Franklin is. So James Franklin's a big, tough guy who's going to teach college football players how to be big, tough guys. And then he gets a suggestion from a he gets a suggestion from a reporter who's been recovering the team for a long time, and he's going to get upset about it and, and butthurt by it and go on this little tangent to try and embarrass this guy. If I had a public enough platform, right, we get tens and tens of listeners here on the podcast. If I had a public enough platform, I would call for James Franklin to publicly apologize to this guy because that's embarrassing, and it's disgusting, and it's downright degrading, and that was his whole goal was to make this guy embarrassed, which is stupid. That should not be your goal when you're talking with the press, when you're talking with the – you know, Nick Saban – Hold on, hold on. Hold on. So, so here's, here's a question I would have. So what's been the relationship in the past with this particular reporter? Um, you know, he's been there for a while. Has it been a good relationship? Has there been a, a 
and I don't know the answer to this. Sure. Has there been a, a, a pattern of asking these kind of questions? Um, and, and again, I don't know the answer. I, I do think, I, I'm always the guy who's going to defend somebody. I, I do think maybe there's, there's more to the story. Um, even if it's even if it's a case of like Mike Gundy going on the rant, I didn't have a problem with that. As silly as it was, um, I I just think there's a there's a, a a time when a coach, you know, has to say like, stop asking dumb questions. Like, no, do you think I'm, that's a dumb question? I Justin? do think it's a bad question. Tell me why it's a bad question. It's a bad question. Do coaches not call plays not to no try and get- what? Not no matter but what. But I don't. But the reporter said never no said. What. The reporter never said he no matter absolutely what. Absolutely did. No, no. James Franklin says you're telling me no matter what, and he says just send the guy on a post pattern and try to get a rhythm going. So he's he's confirming the no matter what. But he doesn't say, like. hey, they're in cover eight and they're yeah. only rushing three and everybody's covered. Throw the ball into triple coverage. But, he says put your guy yeah. on a one on one situation. That's all he's trying yeah. to ask. That's where I disagree with you. But you can I don't never, think it's a dumb you can question. never guarantee a one-on-one situation. Of course, like, and I don't think the reporter is saying because if you could, like, of course you would do that. The, I don't think the reporter is saying it's fourth and goal from the one-yard line. Just throw the ball, you know, on a deep post. You know what I mean? Right. No, I think he's saying very clearly: you have a decent one-on-one advantageous matchup right now. Do you just call the play? You know, you could run the ball for three yards, or maybe more. Or you could try to get yourself into a rhythm with the downfield passing game. Do you ever just do that? I think that's all he's asking. Okay. So I maybe, disagree with you. I don't think maybe, it's a stupid maybe question. You're, maybe you're winning me over a little bit. I just – I think I think sometimes when a coach takes this kind of attitude, he's got a reason for it, and I don't know that it's always the Twitter clicks and See, that but, kind of stuff. But I disagree because I, I disagree. And I, maybe this is, a, this is an, a segment we should do one day is just compile. I think – and it, part of it's the 24-hour news cycle and the Twitter. We see all these clips. You know, in a bygone era, we wouldn't have even seen this clip. This clip yep. would have never surfaced. It would have been a footnote in a newspaper article about sure. the Penn State offense. You know, James Franklin reacted poorly or reacted, you know, uh, vigorously to a yeah. uh, question. That would have been a footnote in an article and in the newspaper on the 24th page. But now we see them all, right? So that's, okay, that's the situation. But these coaches, man, are so soft and sensitive and they do not want to and I'll tell you what, man, there's plenty of coaches in my own backyard, right, in our own in our own state, that when they get asked reasonable questions, they want to get upset and they want to defend themselves and they make mockeries and fools of themselves. And I think it's a problem right now that we have in, in coaching is to be def- is all the extra defensiveness that we have in in our coaches who are supposed to be showing Tell me tell me this. Tell me this. Do you ever get defensive? Yeah, but I'm not. But and if I did, I would. If I acted like this, dude, sure. I hope somebody would tell me to sure. apologize. Sure. Because what are his players supposed to take from this? His players, not all of them are going to go up to be NFL players, right? Plenty of his offensive linemen, plenty of his linebackers, right? Second strings, maybe even some of the first strings are going to have not too long of NFL careers, and they're going to go on to be managers in nice companies, all that kind of you know, owners of car dealerships, that sort of thing, right? And they're gonna get uh, a co, and they're gonna get an employee or a uh, coworker who comes to them with a suggestion. Are they supposed to act like that? Even if it's a stupid suggestion, are you supposed to act like that? 
that is poor leadership. When we're talking about college sports, you're supposed to grow these these young men into men and mature men. That's not going to grow anyone into a mature man who's going to be able to work in the workplace. You don't act like that. And our, and our coaches are increasingly acting like that, which I have a problem with. And I think James Franklin was the straw that broke this camel's back as far as that was disgusting, and I hated that. And plenty of coaches do it all the time. And the next time Dabo Sweeney does it, because it's happened before, where he kind of acts like that and shows his butt, I'll be the first one on this podcast to bring it up. All right. I promise you that. All right. Um, I'm, I'm curious. I'm interested to see kind of how, how things go from here. Uh, who, who knows? Maybe we finish recording this and we see that James Franklin is... is I have a feeling know, James Franklin, like because I think James Franklin's a decent enough dude. I really do. I have a feeling he has said something privately to this guy. Be like, maybe I treated you too harshly. You know? That kind of thing. I wouldn't be surprised by that. And I think he should have. And I would call him to do it in public because it's gone viral. You know, if this clip never surfaces, you don't have to say anything publicly. But now it's gone viral, and everybody's giving him the flowers as if he did something impressive. Yeah, see, see, I, I do disagree with that. I don't think what he did was impressive. I just think it's understandable and relatable. Um, so, like, I'm not saying that he did the right thing. I just get it. Right. Like, um, you know, I've had – let let the listener understand. I've had people come and offer me suggestions at a time when it just wasn't right, and I've had to try to figure out, like, how do I respond – to this suggestion that was made very publicly that insinuates I don't know what I'm doing. Sure. It implies that I don't know what I'm doing. And is good leadership to yeah. embarrass that person publicly? Uh, no. Yeah, pro- probably, good leadership probably, is not. Pro- probably not. Um, the young people, would you want the young people under you to look at you and be like, oh, I should embarrass people yeah, publicly? Sure, I don't necessarily agree. That's where I said, though, like, I'd be curious about the background and, sure. and just all that kind of stuff. Alan. Alan. What, a, also, what an interesting conversation for a Palmetto State podcast. Mark Stoops made some gross, stupid comments, too, about buying players that I thought I was going to talk about. Well, Mark then, Stoops is just gross and stupid anyway. <laughs> and then James Franklin stole our, uh, stole our limelight. You're going to have to you're gonna have to answer for those comments. You guys gonna, are going to play I'm later this season. I'm going to have to publicly apologize. Hey, just give us a flashback to last year in two minutes, all right? Yeah. Why... Do you think Mark Stoops was calling out Shane Beamer at the SEC Media Days? I absolutely. Okay, so actually, okay, let, let me go be, ahead. As a South Carolina fan, I want to believe that. I don't think he was. Wow. I really don't. You think he was making a blanket I, statement? I think it was a blanket statement. There have been the videos yeah, of yeah. like uh, uh, LSU. Um, yeah, yeah, Brian Kelly. Yeah, Brian Kelly. Um, have been the videos of him like awkwardly dancing with recruits, like. And that southern accent. I think mostly what he was saying is there's flash. And there's substance, and we're substance. And I don't think he's right. Yeah. I think he's, you know, Kentucky, and they'll be what he's made him to be, and he's peaked there. But, uh, no, I don't think he was specifically coming at Shane Beaver in South Carolina, but I love the idea that he was. Right. And that we had an axe to grind going into that game. And then after the win, Shane Beamer walks into the <laughs> locker room with the sunglasses yeah, and that yeah, backwards yeah. hat. You know, now we'll talk about So Mark Stoops basically said, Hey, uh, donate more because Georgia got to buy players and all this kind of thing. And you're going to make the comment of we're, we're not flash, we're substance. And then and then your immediate jump when you lose to a team is going to be give us more money so we can flash and buy players. <laughs> yeah. Just silly. Yeah. All right, Justin, there's a number we of... We don't flash and buy players here on the uh, the Bragging Rights podcast. Justin, how long have that. we been going for right now? We're, we're sitting at 43 minutes. All right, let's fly through some of these games. We got some top 25 matchups, Justin. The big one. The big one. Yeah. Oregon versus Washington. At Washington, Washington's favor by three points, basically home field. So, this the, is a so it's, it's a toss-up. Yeah. It's a pick'em game. This is a mega matchup. They might meet again in the Pac-12 championship. They may very well be the two yeah. best teams in the Pac-12. Like we've said, sure. there's 
four or five teams in the Pac-12 that could really make some playoff noise, yeah. and these might be the two best of them as it yeah, stands yeah. right now. So this is a mega matchup for the Pac-12. You got Bo Nix, like eighth year in college football. Our Auburn buddies that listen to the podcast are just mourning the fact that he is gone and had. Yeah, he would be killing it. Killing it if he was at Auburn. Well, would he? Yes. Absolutely. I mean, with Hugh Freeze, certainly. Yes. Not with Brian Harson. No, of course not. Obviously, he was there, but, I guess, for one year yeah, with Brian Harson. But if Hugh Freeze like, had well, yeah. walked into that. Because yeah. he went off to Oregon with some new offensive coaching, and he's just yeah. been used to the nth degree. Yeah. And then you've got uh, Michael Penix Jr. by way of Indiana. Both guys transferred after not really succeeding at their program. I think Bo Nix had more highs than, than Michael Penix did at Indiana. Sure. Yeah. Then you've just got remade programs. Both of these teams have made the college football playoff. Oregon made the first college football playoff, lost the national championship. Washington made it a couple years later, lost in the semis to Alabama in a year that Alabama and Clemson went on to play for the national championship. So you've got two programs that have had now a resurgence, new coaches, all this sort of thing. Dan Lanning might be the next Alabama coach, but for now, he's at Oregon. You've got two good programs, humming offenses. Yep. Mega so, matchup. So you, you've called it a mega matchup for the Pac-12. I call it a margin matchup in, in the sense that the winner of this game all of a sudden has a little bit of room for error. Sure. The loser of this game can't lose another game. Oh, yeah. If you want to And then they got to get revenge. Yeah, right. So I, I think it's a fascinating game. I think there's going to be cool storylines coming from it afterwards. Uh, let's jump into it. What you think is going to happen? It's a noon local kick, so it's 3.30 Eastern time if you're wanting to watch. 3.30 on ABC. Big game. Justin, I think Oregon wins. I think Oregon is a very good team. We're going to do a segment later where we'll talk a little bit about Oregon and Washington, respectively. I think Oregon's super good. I think Oregon's super balanced. Washington, in my opinion, has been a little, not exposed, but some cracks have been shown the last couple of weeks with some some hard-fought wins over teams that ought sure. not be hard-fought wins, but they are very good. Oregon's gonna get their uh, gonna get their points. You know what I mean? Right. I just think Oregon's gonna score forty five points and hold Washington to like thirty four. So I think okay. Oregon's gonna walk in there and win. They're gonna cover certainly because they're gonna win, uh, and they're gonna win by ten, maybe eleven. So, du- double digit win, a game that doesn't come down to the last possession. Maybe it's maybe it's mostly double digits. It's a two score game for most of the right. the second half. Uh, I can understand that. But I've been really impressed with Washington. You talk about a couple of tough fault games. Dude, uh, Arizona has only played close games this year. That's, that's uh, a good that, point. And it was at Arizona. We've talked about home field advantage and that kind of stuff. I don't love that it's a noon kick local time, uh, or 1230 local time. Um, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what to think. I do think Oregon, Oregon might be the more complete team. Sure. I think Washington's going to win. Uh, I think Washington gets the win here. Um, I think it's a tight game. I think there's a big mistake somewhere down the road. Bo Nix, uh, as good as he's been, I think he throws like a, a very meaningful interception. Wow. Um, presses a little too much late. Yeah. And Washington comes up with a win. You think it's going to be close? I think it's going to be a really tight game. You think I, they cover? I think this is the game of the week to watch. Do you think they covered the three points? Or do you think they win by three? Yeah, you know. Three, four, seven. You think it's gonna be high scoring? Know, something like that. I think it's gonna be. Thir- I think it's gonna be high scoring. Forty-five, thirty-four. I think somewhat. Yeah, yeah. In the thirties makes sense. Justin, another Pac-12 matchup. Top twenty-five. Well, one one half of this is Pac-12. Yeah. USC is heading to South Bend, Indiana, which must just be a quite the place to go play a football game. But <laughs> USC is heading to South Bend. Number ten USC versus number twenty-one Notre Dame. This is the primetime ABC seven thirty matchup. I think Justin. 
Notre Dame's favored. Let me start by saying that. Why is Notre Dame favored? Oh, you know, some people really like Notre Dame in this spot. Um, I do think. I do think this could be the get back, the get right game for Notre Dame. I really do. I think that they could be angry. I think, you know, uh, somebody. I I heard somebody say, right? uh, Is USC's defense the defense you get back on? You get right on. (laughs) So I do think. I do think it could be the case that Notre Dame's offense has left a ton to be desired out there and they could get right against USC's defense, but you still got to worry about USC's offense. And I know Notre Dame's off Notre Dame's defense is good because I saw them him and ham up Ohio State. I saw them him and ham up Riley Leonard, Riley Leonard at Duke. So I know their defense is good, but I just don't know that they're good enough to keep USC down enough to where their offense at Notre Dame can score enough points to win. Important question. Is him and ham? Uh, is that is that a phrase that you've made up here on the podcast? Maybe so. I'm unfamiliar with we this. We should get shirts that say "him them up, ham them up." <laughs> so yeah, Justin, yeah. I think USC is going to come into town. I think they're going to. I think there's just going to be too much for Notre Dame yeah. offensively, mostly. Look, and so I think they're going to win. Notre Dame couldn't score 30 points on air. <laughs> well, you know what a what a funny thing. We're going to talk about Notre Dame in a little bit too. What a funny thing to think about. Their offense was bad last year, right? Had its spots. Then you bring in Sam Hartman, right. and I really think, yeah, he's made some mistakes, especially against Louisville. The most mid-quarterback to ever mid. Wow. Or at least the most mid-quarterback to ever masquerade as, <laughs> you know, something. Yeah. Uh, he's got a lot of talent, and I really would have expected more out of this yeah. offense. So I think USC's going to win. I think it's going to be close, but I think they're going to win by maybe eight points. I think it's maybe I think it's maybe 31-23. No. No. I think you're looking at... Uh, I understand where Notre Dame might be. Maybe Notre Dame can come in and play loose, right? Because now sure. that, like, arguably, what's there, what's left to play for? Sure. At this point, uh, no, I think Notre Dame is just not that good. I told you last week when somebody tells you who they are, sure. believe it. They told us they're not that good. Yeah. And USC's going to show. And USC isn't like USC's not elite. They're very, very, very good. They're a shade yeah. under elite. Notre Dame is a shade under good. This could be, you know, uh, you think about is the USC defense the defense that you get right on? Is Notre Dame's offense the offense you get right on as far as being USC's defense? What (laughs) The the, the age-old question, when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object, is the other way around. When a terrible (laughs) offense meets a terrible defense, who wins? (laughs) I think USC wins. I think USC wins, and I think think Notre Dame gets their feelings hurt in this one. I think they they see an opportunity to make a statement, and I think the statement they make is, hey, we suck. Wow. I think, yeah. Miami, heading to Chapel Hill Talk about after quite the game, after quite the ending to the game against Georgia Tech. You know, uh, they always say one play never decides a game, except <laughs> for in that case, right? That might be the one time yeah. it happens. Yeah. And that just shows you why it's so important that you put away bad teams. Yeah. Like what we said with, with Clemson and Wake Forest, there was a point in that game where it was 10-6, and I just looked at Haley during you know in the stands, right, watching the game, and I said, you know, really, if Wake Forest puts together one drive, they have the lead, yeah. right? Like, I know it doesn't feel close, but they could have the lead, which is exactly how the Duke game went. Okay, I digress. Miami, you got to put away Georgia Tech. They didn't. They lost. They're going to Chapel Hill. They're going to uh, North Carolina. North Carolina's number 12 in the country. Miami's still in the top 25 at 25. North Carolina's favored by 3.5. This game is also at 7.30 p.m. 
I think it's going to be a dogfight, Justin. And we've talked at length about what is a dogfight on this podcast. You know it when you see it. I think this is going to be a dogfight. I think these people are going to be chewing each other just apart. I think UNC wins. I think they're too much on offense. I think Miami's a year still maybe away roster-wise. Now, North Carolina's maybe a year away roster-wise, but they got the quarterback, and I think they get it done, and I think they cover. Uh, I don't – I think the more that I think about this game, how does Miami respond after last week? If I'm a player for Miami, it's tough for me to trust my coaches wow. going forward. I mean, it really is. How, how do you recover from that? Um, so I think we'll find out a little bit about the culture at Miami. Yeah, um, that is for sure. You said that you think UNC is going to be too much. Man, I've been really impressed with North Carolina this year. Yeah. Uh, they've won the games they're supposed to win. They Defensively, they've not been terrible. Yeah. They've been pretty good at spots. So you had originally said it's a dogfight, and I said that I agreed. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Alan, I don't, I don't know. Here we go. I, I, think, I think in the first half – Maybe they try to feel each other out a little bit. I could see a scenario where this looks like it's going to be a shootout. Sure, sure. And then Miami just falls apart. Yeah. I think North Carolina wins by double digits, maybe three scores. Yeah. This game's important for the ACC picture. Uh, UCLA, Pac-12. UCLA, who just came off an impressive win against Washington State, is going to Oregon State, who had a loss, a tough loss to Washington State. Pac-12 is eating each other alive. Yeah. I think right now it's safe to say Washington, Oregon are the top two, right? Kind of a tier above. Sure. There's kind of one, two, and then three's kind of skipped, and then you've got like four, five, six. That could probably get the top two, but remains to be seen if they really are as elite. Yeah. UCLA, Oregon State are both in that are both in that fold. UCLA come off that big win. Oregon State has recovered since that big loss or that tough loss to Washington State. This is at 8 p.m. It's in it's in Oregon State's building. Oregon State's a four-and-a-half-point favorite. And I think Oregon State's going to get it done. I think that this will be a lot harder of a game. You know, last week, DJ against Cal had a very impressive game. Of course, it made all the people comment because Clemson's offense was down and DJ had a good game. Uh, but I think there's a little bit more back-to-earth with DJ, and I think Oregon, win, Oregon State wins this game physically by running the ball. Gets it done against UCLA, who's still with Dante Moore about a year away. Yep, uh, I I agree with you. Um, I'm not gonna overthink it. I'm not gonna say more than we need to say. I've been real big on home field advantage when two teams are similar. I think these are similar teams. It's at Oregon State. Oregon State wins. I don't know how it plays out, but Oregon State wins. All right, Justin, we're gonna do a speed run of games because I don't have as much to say about these games, but they do have things to be said about sure. NC State versus Duke. I did not check to see if Riley Leonard is back. Riley Leonard, if he's back from his high ankle sprain, this is a this is a wild game for ACC title implications. If you're a Clemson fan, you need NC State to win this game, I think, because you need Duke to start massing up those losses. You need Duke to lose three times, which is not impossible, as they still have several teams, you know, North Carolina, NC State, Miami, some other teams uh, on the schedule. So you need this one to happen. But I just think Duke's going to win. What say you? Uh, I think you got to take a look at who Duke has played. Um, the more I look at it, the more it just doesn't make sense to me. We say, uh, we, obviously not you and I, but just maybe collectively college football media, not really impressed with Clemson. That's Duke's big win. Sure. Uh, of course, I mean, they played a decent game against Notre Dame. I told you, I don't think Notre Dame is, is sure. special. Um, I mean, they have big, big wins against Lafayette, Northwestern, and UConn. Baby, come on, man. Powerhouses of college football. Um, they are 
Uh, they're, they're coming off a bye. It's a home game. It's at night. It goes against everything I believe in when it comes to picking teams. Wow. But I'm picking I'm picking NC State. Sounds like Jake is picking NC State as well. Yeah, Jake, Jake got riled up on that one. Auburn. Uh, NC State gets the win. Go Auburn ahead. is headed to Baton Rouge. LSU still in top 25. Is uh, favored by 11, 7 p.m. I think Auburn had their big get them up game against Georgia, and they just didn't have enough. Yeah. I think LSU wins, and LSU wins large. Uh, LSU's going to win. I don't think LSU covers. Um, wow, okay. Auburn can play a little defense. They'll make some plays here and there. Um, they'll they'll keep it relatively close. I think LSU still probably looks pretty sloppy. Uh, you know, something something like uh, 30 to 23. Louisville is headed to Pitt. Uh, Louisville's favored by eight. Louisville obviously a big win over Notre Dame over the weekend. This game, again, ACC title implications. If you're a Clemson fan, you need Louisville to lose twice. Now, Louisville's got maybe two uh, losses on the schedule, but it's got to happen. I think one of those has to happen this weekend, but I think Louisville's going to get it done. I think Louisville, like we kind of talked about uh, on Monday, is going to kind of lazy sleep their way to an 11 and 1 maybe maybe 10 and 2 cuz they still have to play Kentucky so maybe an out of loss loss out of out of conference loss yeah. and they're going to sleepwalk their way into a, an ACC title interesting interesting um, so I, I look at this one uh, this is what we like to call a let down look ahead spot um, they're coming off of a big game for with a potential letdown they're looking ahead to a bye and a matchup, weirdly, a huge weirdly matchup. saying, a huge matchup against Duke. Uh-huh. Um, you know, there's a potential for Louisville to not show up. Um, the thing is, Pitt's bad. Yeah. Pitt is bad. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm interested yeah, to they see. Are. Yeah, does, does Louisville get it done, or does Louisville look like the team that beat Notre Dame? Sure. Um, and I think it's going to be one of those two. I don't think Pitt has a chance to win. All right, Justin, one word on these games. One Texas word. A&M versus Tennessee. I think Tennessee wins in a dogfight. One word, Tennessee. Missouri versus Kentucky. Two, uh, Kentucky favored by two and a half, 7.30 p.m. I think Missouri wins. Kentucky. Wow. Kansas, Jalen Daniels, Oklahoma State. Kansas is favored on the road at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State off a huge win against Kansas State. I think Kansas wins. Kansas. There. <laughs> there you go, Justin. All right, before we wrap up, in three minutes or less, Justin – Wanted to just kind of recap, and I think we need to talk about it before the game on Saturday because we might get proven. One of us is going to get proven right. That's certainly true. Justin, I want to ask the question. Who are you most, least, and mid, most mid impressed with this far, so far this season? So who are you most impressed with? Sure. Who are you least impressed with? And who are you most, meh, right. impressed with this season? Okay. Go ahead. Most impressed right. with. You want me to go with most first? Yes. All right. Most impressed with? I'm going Washington. All right. Uh, and I'm going Oregon. All right. And they're playing this weekend, which is how I thought we should do this right now. Yeah, Don't wait for another week. Yeah, they're playing fantastic. this weekend. Uh, so, what has impressed you so yeah. far? So Washington has just looked like what they told me they were going to look like. They've played good defense. They've played good offense. I thought there was chances for them to, to not be so good early, to stumble a little bit. Uh, they've played close games. Really, they've played one close game. Sure. Uh and they did what they were supposed to do. Sure. Uh, they they look like a good football team. I'm most impressed with them because they have most exceeded my high expectations. Sure. So it's a team that I thought would be good. They're even better than what I thought they would be. I think be. they're better than pretty much everybody thought they were going to yeah. be. I am most impressed by Oregon. Oregon had a good season last year after they got just destroyed by Georgia. They picked themselves up on the floor. They won a bunch of games. 
They didn't make the, the Pac-12. You know, they lost some games yeah. late. They won a tough bowl game against North Carolina. And they just come out this year hungry yeah. and physical. Yeah. Uh, their offense hasn't skipped a beat. Their defense has gotten better. Their whole team has gotten more physical. And they just look hungry. Yeah. They look like a team that lost the national championship last year. And they weren't even close to it. Yeah. They look angry and hungry like they just want really to bite everybody's yeah. head off. Yeah. That Colorado game was telling. Yeah. Obviously, Colorado's not great. We know that. They shouldn't have been in the, They should not necessarily have been in the top 25. They didn't have much of a chance against Oregon, although some people thought they did foolishly. And they just bit their – they just destroyed them. Yeah. I, Spit them up and chew them out. You know, I agree that Oregon has been very impressive. Um, I do think they're out for blood. Um, I am excited to see how this game plays out. Justin, we've said a little bit about this. All right, least impressed with. So far this season, I'm most uh, most least impressed with. Most no, least. I'm the least impressed with out of any team in the country, Notre Dame. I mean, I had high hopes for this Notre Dame team. Yeah. Like, I, I was looking at the, a game that's going to be played on my birthday weekend, right, in November against uh, Clemson and Notre Dame, thinking, man, is that a, is that a national championship preview? Yeah. Like, Notre National Dame, title implications. Notre Dame had a, a good end to the season. They're physical. They've got some of the best running backs in the country. And now you add in Sam Hartman. No. And I do think Sam Hartman is not a five-star quarterback, right? No. But they're just not using him. And then they tried to use him against Louisville, and he threw three interceptions. I get it. But they want to be this ground-and-pound team. And I'm just really not impressed with the fact that I thought they were going to have a dynamic offense. They haven't. They've lost some games they shouldn't have, certainly to Louisville, and could have not lost to Ohio State. Most least impressed by them. I'm not looking forward to the rest of the season for them. I think they've got several more losses down the road. Uh, I think that's a good pick. Uh, I went with LSU. Yeah. Uh, look, coming into this year, LSU was supposed to contend for a national championship, and that's yeah. pretty much gone. Oh, gosh, it's um, gone. Like they, they don't look like the team that we thought they were. Uh, I had very high hopes for LSU in the way you did for Notre Dame maybe. Um, I thought LSU was going to really establish themselves as the power again in, right. the, in the SEC West, and it just didn't happen. So LSU does not look good. I'm least impressed with LSU. On a related note, I am most mid-impressed this season so far with Florida State. And you might think that's funny considering they went into Clemson into a hard environment and won, and I'm a Clemson fan. But after that LSU game, yeah. and, not, and I know LSU's gotten somewhat exposed, but they haven't. Florida State has not had that same kind of 2013 killer mode since that LSU game. And I thought they were going to have it every game since. Obviously, they went up to Boston College and had to barely win that game. Then they barely eked one out against Clemson in a game which you thought they were going to go 2013, just killer mode. They haven't been able to – even against Virginia Tech, they got up 22-0 against Virginia Tech on Saturday – and then it was 22-17. And then it's coasted. You know, so they haven't had that killer mode, that killer instinct – all season long, and so I've been most mid-impressed with them. Their defense is really left a lot to be desired. I'm worried about Florida State. I'm worried that they're going to TCU their way to the playoff, win some good games really close, win a conference, and get exposed in the playoff. I like that phrasing, they're going to TCU their way in. Um, That's that's fascinating to me. I I think that's another good pick. Uh, When you ask me, uh, most mid-impressed with the team that is just kind of like, yeah. I went with Southern Cal. Yeah. Uh, look, they've got a killer offense. Eh, uh, <laughs> Everything well, else every, is just kind of eh. Yeah. Like, they could very well win a national championship on the on the arm of Caleb Williams. Sure. Like, it could happen. Will it? I don't think so. Yeah. Like, things would have to fall right for them. Uh, they... 
they they should be better on defense this year than they have been. It just, like they were down seventeen to nothing to Arizona. Yeah. Like what happened? Yeah. Uh, is uh, they they might be better than what I think they are right now. Sure. But from what they have shown, I'm not impressed. You just kind of like meh. It's just it's like like I don't know who you are. Yeah. Like if you if you are who you're looking like right now, that's not good. Justin. So, yeah. I've been most most impressed with your performance on this podcast today. Have you? I, amen. That means so much to me, Alan. <laughs> Oh, yeah.